to match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat children. All right. We, I'm back. Another episode of the motherfucking Tough Talk podcast. Uh, where have I been? It took me. It took me a week. I'm a week late, but I'm here. We, we're gonna try to get this thing back on track and consistently. Like I said, uh, bear with me. The pandemic and then getting back to work has really messed up my schedule, man. It was easy to do podcasts when I was unemployed. That shit was fun every week you know what i mean or every other week rather because i try not to i try not to give the people the feds too much evidence for when they kick in the door you know and come and get me like how they tried to do joe rogan and everybody else who uh talks weekly remember old boy lost his job but he had the jeopardy job locked in he lost his job over a podcast so you know what it is but anyway we're going to keep talking because what else is there to do if not these these thoughts will flood my brain. They got to go somewhere, you know. It's like run off, you know. This shit is the sewer. Anyway, no guests. I'm going to just keep it brief, short, 30, 45 minutes. Update y'all, me and what I've been doing. Uh, shows are picking back up. That's good. Did a lot this weekend. I was at... Uh, Brooklyn Comedy Club, you know, aka Old Man Hustle. I was there like last Thursday. I had New York. I had uh, New York over the weekend and New York Comedy Club, and then I had a comic strip. And yeah, I was busy this weekend, so that felt good, you know. Stages are opening back up. Uh, the mask mandate is gone. We are back showing our lips back showing people our lips lips are legal again uh that's what's happening here in new york i know some of y'all listening in other states like uh what mask mandate so i did a show in jersey probably a month ago and i went to jersey and it was weird i had my vaccine card already as i was coming towards the door id and mask and they didn't they weren't doing any of that they weren't checking them cards which you know me, I'm from India and I'm a little more comfortable in that type of environment than I am this one. I, I wear the mask for, for other people's whatever or to get in places, but it is what it is. I don't think it too much helps. It's like, well, what the hell did we get vaccinated for? I got vaccinated so I wouldn't have to wear this muzzle. But yeah, man, uh, show's coming back slowly. Uh, uh, what did I want to talk to y'all about? It's, uh, so much has happened. It's been, what, three weeks since I talked to y'all? So much has happened. Uh, you know, where should I begin even? I don't know. I guess we'll start there. We'll start with uh, World War Three. That's happening. <laughs> That's happening. Russia has invaded Ukraine for some reason. Uh which I don't know. We want to act like that conquistador energy don't still exist. That old conqueror, that old uh, Napoleon energy, it still exists, man. People take over stuff, and I mean, that's that's how you get new countries, right? That's how we got new states. Somebody planted a flag and killed somebody, and said, "This is mine now," and uh, we got you know cancel culture and all this stuff going right now so there's a real uh what's the word i'm looking at there's a real uh 
just a negative connotation that still being a conqueror, an emperor, and all that stuff has. And, you know, Putin don't give a fuck. It's like, Putin's like, not afraid to be the bad guy. He's like, yeah, but we just want to say, and I think, going back to the 90s and stuff, and don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure, uh, I'm pretty sure the Ukraine USSR, that was, that thing was like an alliance and three or four countries coming together. And they've been split up since, you know, I think they said like 95. But now Putin's like, nah, let's put it back together again. And, uh, you know, when he was rolling with Trump, none of this was happening, you know. Trump was good for world peace. It seemed like this country was outraged about Trump. But ultimately, it's like Trump called Kim Jong-un rocket man and then put him on his team <laughs> they were hanging out every week then he was hanging out with Putin every week they were meeting and you know there's that old video or whatever they said of them peeing on Russian hookers together so nothing brings two men together like peeing on hookers in a foreign land so that was that but the point being Putin was chilling you know soon as Trump got up out of there you know was it uh, Kim Jong-un's sister? I think the week Biden went into office was testing nukes. And they used to test nukes pretty regularly when uh, Obama and Biden were in. But they had stopped for like three years while Trump was in. So I don't know, man. Trump Trump was... <laughs> he was him and Dennis Rodman were definitely good with the foreign affairs, but... Biden's afraid of the Twitter mob. Biden's afraid of cancel culture. He's not sending troops to Russia. He just said, you know, he's going to tax them. And I was telling somebody, I'm like, what is taxing somebody going to do if they invade a whole nother country and took their money? That's like if I uh, if I rob you in front of the corner store and the, and the owner of the bodega doesn't call the cops, but he says, hey, man. I'm not going to call the cops on him for robbing you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to charge him extra money for robbing you. And it's like, yeah, but I'm paying with his money. So does it matter? So it's like Putin's like, you're going to tax me? Oh, cool. Well, I'm paying with Ukraine's money anyway. It's a little bit like Debo from Friday. <laughs> I want to spend your money, punk. So it's just like, yeah, man, I... I'm just not sure what they think is going, you know, to happen there. It's like, yo, you either sent the military and sent the troops in, which I'm not advocating for. My father was in the military 25 years, had to stay in an extra year for 9-11. So I've never been one of these people that's like, rah, rah, send the troops. It's like, but you either sent the troops or you did nothing because, you know violence is the only thing a lot of these countries respect and i mean that's a throwback you know putin we throwing that shit all the way back to uh stalin and all that madness that was going on with him and you know there's a long history of dictators there and taking over countries and like i said the ussr and alliances so sometimes it just behoove us to mind our own business and i guess that's a little bit of what biden's doing but I think what Trump was doing was realizing, minding your business, man. You mind your business, you'll look up and 20 of these countries are all be coming for us. But yeah, it's just interesting to me that you got, you know, 
that but see they 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 haven't been online in russia you know they they don't know you know you it's, it's frowned upon to take over other countries now you know it's frowned upon to take over other countries you know we we can't even say certain words over here so <laughs> you get canceled they, they ain't seen cancel culture yeah it's gonna be hard to fight a war with cancel culture going on or maybe not because you know cancel culture the uh people that like it or whatever they're they're kind of ass backwards like you know they probably okay with you shooting somebody as long as you call them the appropriate pronoun but yeah it's it's interesting man it you know to have that but i mean also social media is kind of blocked over in russia so you know you can look up uh the ladies uh what was that girl group pussy riot and i mean they just implied something political in their music and they got locked up for a couple years so it's like i think that's only happening with us because a lot of these other countries you know china and different people shouts out to Darren mori for whatever he did with the nba and blowing that up <laughs> the deals with china so yeah the deals with china and then also you know their social media is restricted very restricted the freedom of speech there and russia too so it's like cancel culture probably the you know the kgb is the only people that's canceling people the k stand for cancel and kgb now look at me i made it funny anyway yeah man it's it's like that so ultimately we're all playing niceties over here oh my god can you believe somebody's invading somebody in the modern day and it's like yeah bro yeah they're they're not on our type of time we on that type of time of being nice and addressing each other as such and and whatever we say and all this different stuff oh microaggressions you know what 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 a microaggression look like a tank rolling down your avenue and we're just so privileged over here i mean we we haven't seen an attack on u.s soil since what 1954 was it or 1942 i could be wrong pearl harbor i believe it was 54 or no it was 42 what i'm there's a nintendo game called 1942 and that's how i remember it because i used to play that joint all the time when i was a kid but uh yeah man 1942 so you know other than the 9-11 it's like and they had to use our own planes but it's it's one of them uh the easy joke this week is and i am veering a little bit into that territory myself talking a little bit about war huh what is it good for absolutely nothing anyway he made that song because all his homeboys went off to vietnam he was sick of it <laughs> he was lonely who made that song is it is it it's not Isaac Hayes, it might be Curtis Mayfield. Well, who made that damn song? Anyway, yeah, I'm veering a little bit into this territory, but it was funny. I saw a meme that just summed up the week where a dude said, I'm no longer a specialist in vaccines. Now I'm a uh, war expert or expert on foreign affairs. And it's like, yep, that's pretty much it this week. That sums it up mandates are rolling back a little although i was just listening to them talk about Kyrie, and they're like yeah he still can't play and i'm like what they're like yeah even if they roll the mandate back in the next week or two he still he can enter the building at the barclays but he can't play and it's so weird because it's like how are opposing players coming to new york and playing but we can't play 
but they can't play. You know, it's just strange. And it's like, yo, it feels all of this feels strangely designed to stop Kyrie from hooping. And it's like, bro, if you got money on the Bucks or the Sixers coming out the East, just say that then, Mayor Adams. If you done got on DraftKings and bet it on who's coming out the East already and you didn't put money on the Nets so you want to stop them, then just say that. It's like, come on, bro. What? He can enter the building now, but he can't. still can't play. But if I show up on an opposing team, then I can play. I don't know what New York's doing. New York's always trying to be the leader and shit. I'm always trying to be the leader and shit. They are, but 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 I always fall a little short if I'm being honest. That you're like, okay, well I I don't understand why that's a thing. Don't understand why that's a thing at all. It's just weird. Like I said, everyone else can show up and play, but this one player that everyone wants to play. Or like I said, unless you got money against them, then maybe you don't want them to play. And that's what it's starting to look like. It's starting to look like Mayor Adams does not want Kyrie to play because, yeah, what the hell is going on? But, uh, yeah, Kyrie can't play still, even if, even if, even if the mandate gets rolled back, which it hasn't been rolled back yet. So, I don't know. What the hell is going on with that? Uh, so in the sports world, uh, the Lakers are losing. It's, I think we got to go ahead and realize that, like, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, man. They're not a good team. You know and I mean, I think we've all been waiting for AD to step up and really take control. But he's a little banged up, which he hasn't. It doesn't look like he's gained any weight. He's one of them KG types that it's just like, you know, this is the best it gets as far as his body. He's not going to get stronger. So, and I mean, he dominated the year in the bubble, which feels like, a, you know, years ago. But it was only, what, two summers ago or whatever. We had a weird year because we had seasons right on top of each other. But, uh, yeah, so Lakers just lost to, I think, New Orleans. And everybody is... Uh, <laughs> Everybody is laughing. And speaking of New Orleans, because Zion's over there and he hasn't played in all this year. Although he was beasting last year when he was playing. But uh, speaking of Zion, I thought it was funny. They had a float in New Orleans recently. I think, was it Mardi Gras? I don't know if it was quite Mardi Gras, but they had a float of Zion. And I mean, the float was extra fat. So it was kind of funny. It's funny because we always talking about fat shaming. We always talking about fat shaming, but uh, yeah, Zion. We always talking about fat shaming, and they wrote Zion, a professional athlete, you know, who's in shape, better than most people. But the joke is, the easy joke is to pick on him because for an athlete, he is kind of fat. But per most of us, it's like yeah, Zion can jump out through the roof. You know what I mean? So it is what it is. He's got that whole Charles Barkley thing going for him. Very few athletes appear to be chubby, you know. And I mean, like I said, he is ripped as well. Like I said, it's all on the scale of who's actually in shape. It's like, yeah, he looks out of shape. He looks out of shape next to, I don't know, give me a big player. Who's a big, 
big guy, Embiid. He looks out of shape next to Joel Embiid or other NBA athletes. But you put him next to a regular guy, you'd be like, holy shit, who's that big motherfucker? But anyway, the, the image on the float looked more like Fat Albert. So I'm dying laughing because I'm just like, yo, you know, we, we get Lizzo and other, you know, plus size models and all that stuff. But in the man world, in the world of man, you know, a professional athlete is fair game for look at either, look at how out of shape this motherfucker is. Speaking of which, you know, since I talked to y'all last, I got my wish, which was uh, James Harden got the hell up out of uh, Brooklyn. And I mean, I couldn't be more happy because this entire time when he was all, all the way back to when he wore the fat suit to get out of Houston, I wanted him to go to Philly. And I thought that would have been a great trade for Houston. Like, all right, you get younger, you get more athletic, Ben Simmons. And I thought Harden would be a perfect player to pair with Embiid because everything Ben Simmons can't do, which is mainly just shoot, you know, that and, and pick and rolls that Harden would be great for with Embiid, Ben Simmons couldn't do. I mean, obviously, pick and rolls kind of non-existent when you're not a threat from three or to shoot it it's like yeah well we just gonna go underneath these screens no need in fighting through a screen when you feel like that person's not shooting you know so ultimately i was uh rooting for Harden to wind up where he's wound up now he's in he's in uh Philly and I'm like hell yeah you know what I mean like that's perfect it's perfect it's perfect for him and uh the boy showed up in Philly it took him a while to play I think he sat out what two games all-star break happened and the all-star break, you know, uh, was over the other night. Uh, Harden came out, I think, Friday night. They played uh, the Timberwolves. And, I mean, Harden was, I think Harden had, like, 30 and was, like, two assists shy of a triple-double. And the thing I always say for Harden is, man, look, growing up as a shooting guard or seeing shooting guards, Kobe, T-Mac, Iverson even, that generation, Vince Carter even, of shooting guards that were great, which is insane. Vince Carter didn't make the top 75 list. I just had that thought. And it's like Vince Carter, you know, generational player, you know, if you count when he was in Toronto and with the Nets and just transformative to the league and as big to the league as he was and to the culture. Vince Carter did not make the, uh, NBA 75 anyway wish there was some uh, pictures of Michael Jordan there at the NBA 75 showing love showing love and uh, it was a little too close for the internet's liking to uh, Mary J Blige he had the hand palming that ass like a basketball and everybody was like oh shit look at MJ what you, what you doing bro and I'm like hey Y'all complaining. Mary J. Blige ain't complaining yet. 
So sometimes you got to pay attention to that. It's always weird when, always funny when you see dudes advocating for a woman and then you realize, hey, she ain't said a damn thing about that herself. I think she might have had liked that. That's what I think. But anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah, Harden's there, Harden's cooking. Embiid been looking like the MVP, you know. Africans, it's African, not African. That's what Embiid said. You know, you black Americans lazy. Hilarious. I, I used to uh, work with mad Africans as a cabbie. And, and, you know, you would pick up on some of their talk and they'd be talking shit about us, which that's been funny. The diaspora wars have been happening on Twitter, uh, led by Tariq Nasheed. You may have heard of uh, FBA. What is that? Foundational Black Americans, which is basically just... Uh, which sounds a lot better, by the way, than uh, descendants of slaves. What was that? American descendants of slaves? So, Ados, which I guess Tariq spun off of... Uh, Tariq spun off of the Ados movement, or created that, and then it got kind of infiltrated. And then FBA, which is Foundation of Black Americans, is kind of a spinoff of that, and went in its own direction, which I, I can't fault him for. I... I do enjoy some of Tariq Nasheed and his rhetoric, but uh, <laughs> I agree with everything he says. But a lot of it, I'd be like, yeah, man, like that's exactly what that is. But uh, he was, uh, oh, he keeps starting these conversations on uh, Twitter, the Twitter spaces where he'll talk about, uh, <laughs> he'll talk about, um, he'll talk about the rift between African Americans and Black Americans. So the Sixers here are, you know, trying to see if we can coexist. You know what I'm saying? The Sixers are trying to see if Harden, the so-called lazy Black American, can coexist with Embiid, the hardworking African from Cameroon. So we're gonna see. And, and like I said, Embiid's been beasting all year alone. And, uh, Daryl Morey went ahead and made the decision like, look, his knees may not hold up and his back may not hold up much longer. You know, when you when you're working with a big man, you got you're on borrowed time. So I was happy to see them go ahead and pull the trigger. And then people tried to act like and this is what's funny about the Internet, because it never it never comes back to admit it was wrong. So like a week when when the trade happened, they started talking about rolling the vaccine mandates back. And people started immediately going, Hard was dumb. Hard should have waited. Hard, all he needed to do was wait like another week. If Hard just had to wait it, Hard should have waited. And it's like, I mean, you can say that, but, you know, Harden was the only one that doesn't have a ring. You know, Kyrie has a ring. Uh, KD has a ring. So I think, I think, Harden was looking at it to say, bro, I don't have a ring. You know, I'm on borrowed time. Like, let's let's get this thing done. That way I can be in the winning circle with you guys. And, you know, it was looking at KD a little like, yo, you had me come way the fuck out here and your man bullshit. You know, he barely playing. He's just my first. We the first t team with a road court advantage. It's like you ain't never seen a team with a road court advantage. So I get it, because I'm that way, you know, when it comes to getting that work done. It's like, I'm not really finna be sitting here arguing with your mans. This your homeboy, you invited me out here 
and now your homeboy here is bullshitting and rather than to be the bad guy because you know you're not according to the internet you're not pro-black if you say anything against Kyrie when it's like hey man motherfucker got one job and he really ain't doing it to be truthful so anyway rather than to be you know public enemy number one for speaking against Kyrie and just saying I think he should get the fuck out here and do his job have you not been working is are they not working and it's like you know within limitations I respect his right to I respect his right to decline the uh the vaccine shit I was a little skeptical myself at first but ultimately it's like like people say man when you receive new information that should let you know you know, once you receive new information, that, that shows you who's thinking and who isn't. When you're smart enough to admit you was wrong. I, I did, definitely was thinking last summer that we was going to get vaccinated and wake up fighting Red Skull from Captain America. <laughs> and uh, the way this war going, who knows? They might have to, they might have to switch up that uh, vaccine to that super soldier serum. And you just may well indeed wake up fighting red skull because russia ain't bullshitting by red skull i mean putin anyway who knows you know what i'm saying anything's possible but received the new information you looked around nobody was howling at the moon nobody transformed into a goddamn werewolf so it's like Kyrie, man you know you get on the court and i mean the bill boy's so talented it's like you know what i mean and that's the thing we like to act like there aren't exceptions for special people it's like there are plenty of exceptions for special people so Kyrie's a special talent it is what it is you know if you work at Burger King they not waiting on you bro they just gonna fire you go ahead take you off the schedule it is what it is they can get anyone to flip burgers can't get anybody to come out there and score 22 points per game or whatever the hell it is in the spectacular fashion that Kyrie does. So anyway, Harden, rather than be public enemy number one on the uh, internet, black internet, black Twitter, went ahead and said, hey, quietly, get me the hell out of here. Daryl Morey, the GM that I used to play for is over in Philly. And they get bucket naked all the way naked in Philly in the strip clubs. <laughs> that was some clip of uh, New York strip clubs and girls was like dancing to drill music and it was just funny because it was like, yo, this is why Harden wants out of here. I mean, they weren't quite pop locking, but shit, them girls wasn't doing no type of sexy dance. It was like, why girls in New York want to be thugs so bad? So yeah, Harden got the hell on up out of here and like I said, was cooking the other night. So I think he had almost a triple-double and had like 30. And him and Embiid looked in sync. Looked like they've been playing together for five years. And I mean, that's still how you win in the NBA. People like to act like it's different. But it's like, nope. A big and a small pretty much will get it done. You know? Which is funny. It's not like LeBron small. But you think of LeBron and AD winning. Uh, who did they beat in the finals? Oh, they beat Jimmy Butler and Bam. So it's like, yeah. A big and a small, and and even the small, obviously, to call LeBron small is, you know, but it's like a person who's not in the paint. You don't really win too much with two bigs, and you don't win with uh, you don't win with two uh, guards either. It's like, yeah, man, Drew Holiday and Giannis won. 
the last championship here, you know, Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker. But you don't too much win with, like I said, these, some of these mismatched teams. So, Harden Classics, little guy, big guy situation. And, oh, he was busting Cat's head, man. It was a play in the fourth quarter I watched where he just squared up, stepped back, and bust uh, his head. Then... He got the ball again on the next possession, and Cat, uh, Carl Anthony Towns, stepped out on him again, and it was like you gonna you gonna get your head bust again, and Harden boom stepped back again, boom bust his head, and you like yo, the boy is focused, he's locked in, so they've been looking good. They kicked somebody's ass the other night too, so that's they're my pick to win the East, I think. Those two are dialed in. They're going to have to see Giannis. And I do like Ben Simmons and what he provides defensively for the Nets. That is like, well, KD's got them old knees. Ben can chase around whoever the uh, high scorer for the opposing team is. And, I mean, Ben can just about guard one through four. The boy talking about he got to see a psychiatrist, though. And I'm going, a psychiatrist? It's not that hard, nigga. Just shoot. That's all people want you to do. Shoot because it keeps the defense honest. Even if you miss, shoot the damn ball. So, yeah, it's a little strange. It's like ugh, this mental health era that it's just like, yo, y'all acting like some really suburban white people, like the most suburban of suburban white people. Oh, I need some counseling. Nigga, just shoot the ball. If you came up in the hood, you would understand. Because, uh, yeah, <laughs> about that. You you seen above the rim. Shit, Birdie from above the rim ain't playing that. Tupac sliced Bernie Mac up. You know what I mean? It's a cold world. And then had his man Wood Harris pull that thing out because old boy wanted to win. Old boy is in that movie, Leon. Now, this is just funny that he gets to go by one name, Leon. He doesn't have a last name. Ask your mother about Leon. She probably likes him. Speaking of old niggas, I, I was, I, I'm officially an old nigga now because I, I went, took a young lady to see New Edition the other night. They was in the garden. I went down and checked that out. Uh, it was a good show, man. Good show, Joe to see. I got there a little late, so I didn't quite get to see them. Uh, I seen them leaving the stage and uh, Charlie Wilson, which yeah, I'm an official old nigga now. Somewhere telling the kids, y'all don't know nothing about no damn music. I don't know nothing about no damn music. Official old nigga. Once you done been to see New Edition. But you gotta check it off your list. We gotta, you know, we gotta keep black art alive and black artists, you know what I mean? We got that bad habit, like how they always talk about hip-hop, that it's like, oh, you know, somebody been out four years, somebody want to see that shit, where, you know, rock and roll, they go see the Grateful Dead all the time, people do, and nobody's like, oh, don't nobody want to see that old shit, it's like, nah, the Grateful Dead, that's a classic band, classic, you know what I mean? And they audience gets old with them. You know, black people, we got that bad. We don't like to admit that we old. We like to throw on the skinny jeans and try to pretend. And it's like, look, granddad, everybody sees you. You don't even know whose concerts you at. You done came to see Future, but you saying, 
when the hell he gonna do bad and bougie? And it's like that that's not future, that's uh Miko's dad. Clearly you the old man in the building. You requesting songs them niggas ain't even do. So yeah, sometimes it's like at your age and like I said, preserve the legacies and I think Swiss is doing a good job of that. Uh Swiss Beats is doing a good job of that with the versus thing. Helping us preserve some of the OGs and you know. Bobby was out there looking chubby as hell, which was messed up. <laughs> it's fucked up because you like that. Every time you see Bobby, you go, I thought cocaine made you skinny. And I think that's uh I think that's just when uh when cocaine uh when you don't have money for food. But it's like when you got cocaine and money for food. For money for both. Most people don't have money for both. Yeah, Bobby, uh Bobby's out there chubby. Bobby's definitely a plus size entertainer now. Uh yeah, the fucking Ralph and all the motherfuckers look young. And uh, that shit's easy. I didn't realize how much of a damn super group they were, which they had the uh, movie a few years ago, which I got to go back and watch. My girl was kind of telling me like, yo, that shit is dope. Uh, the movie, you got to check it out. If you'd have seen the movie, then, you know, and they mixed in parts of the movie with some of their show. It was a good fucking show. Yeah. It's like one thing about entertainment people don't realize is you get better that it's like, like I said, we like to think of what's current, what's new, and then you go see the concert, and it's like, yeah, man, that motherfucker only got one album, so once he run out of these four songs, I, I don't really know what the fuck Bryson Till about to perform, <laughs> or whoever the fuck you've been listening to that's brand new, so, whereas it was just dope to see that energy, see the garden, obviously Black History Month, black people stepping out, and they minks, and the finest minks, and fur coats, leaving the projects to go see new and dish and uh yeah you know there's a lot of hennessy and weed smoke going on outside the garden you know Penn station area and uh yeah it was a celebration it was dope to see you know a stadium full of people chanting songs that is like everybody knows the words to poison like that would be a black test if we had one like if somebody was trying to get in like if we had a speakeasy right now, if we had to go back underground, you would question whether or not somebody was really black if they did not know the words to poison. Be like, bro, what what rock you been over? Never trust a what? Never trust a um, never trust a um, never trust a big butt and a smile, motherfucker. Uh, you not allowed in this club. You must be the fed team, boy. Anyway. It was dope to see a whole stadium chanting that shit out. Like I said, they're more of a super group than I ever really had sat down and thought about where it's like, yo, they did their hits, Mr. Telephone Man, all that classic shit that they did when they was kids, Candy Girl, all that. Then Bobby came out, did my prerogative and all that stuff, which is the fanciest way anybody ever asked to do cocaine in peace, my prerogative think i'm kidding try spelling it it don't it ain't spelled like it sound that's all i'm saying and i mean fucking ralph did miss the sensitivity and all that shit <laughs> which i know the anti-simp movement boy they would kill r&b they would be like what in the hell 
is going on here. And I think they probably are killing R&B. As you know, the begging era was the best era of R&B. I mean, Jodeci flat out says, baby, I'm begging. I'm begging, begging, begging. It's like, yeah, that's the best era easily. When niggas would beg. These new girls, they don't even wait for you to beg. They just give you the pussy right there. First date, you go, damn, I wanted to be I was finna bed. She done already started taking the draws off. I guess it's my lucky day. Oh, you hear me honking? I am in traffic right now. Cause like I said, I just been in the car a lot. So I'm like, let me go ahead and give it to y'all while I move around a little here. I might not give it to y'all. You feel me? So it is what it is. But uh Yeah man, it was a dope concert. Charlie Wilson had some joints too. That nigga started bringing up his back surgeries. Oh, yeah. oh guys, I, I had two back surgeries and three knee replacements. But he was still out there giving a show. He also told us he'd been uh, cocaine and alcohol free for 28 years. It was a real... Uh, it was, he, Charlie came to tell a story, Uncle Charlie. And his songs, you didn't realize that motherfucker did. That people remade. And you're like, oh, nigga, I thought that was... I thought that was really H-Town. That was Charlie Wilson this whole time. That was Uncle Charlie. He's an old Sinbad-looking nigga. Anyway, where was I? Like I said, a good show, though. New edition. Like I said, Bobby ran through his hits. Ralph Trezvan or whatever. Uh, Bell Bib DeVoe. They all ran their hits. Whole stadium of people chanting. Which, it makes me jealous as a comedian. Because, you know, for us, people try to... Oh well, I already heard that joke. It's like, man, I wanna, I wanna hear a whole stadium of people. Like if if Chris Rock didn't switch material every tour and do a whole new show, it's like I wanna hear a whole stadium of people chanting, uh, "Black people versus niggas." Like, wouldn't that be great? Now, black people, but not white people. White people don't get no ideas. But you know what you should do, Chris? You should get a you should do a reunion or a uh or a tour where you just do the hits, which I actually saw he was going on tour recently because obviously I bought new edition tickets at the garden, so they've been spamming me with well we know you're an old Negro into old Negro entertainment. You probably want to see Chris Rock too. You know, and I'm like, nah motherfucker, why don't you tell me when uh when a uh, piano man come through, tell me when Aerosmith come. That's that's what you need to spam me about. Don't uh stereotype me or lump me in with the other Negroes just because I brought one pair of tickets to other Negro entertainment. Send me. Let me know when Miley Cyrus pull up. <laughs> anyway, I'm in the diverse entertainment. Let me know when Dougie Fresh is coming. Anyway. So yeah, that, that would be dope to see. Like I said, I was a little jealous because I'm like, damn, this is really dope, you know. A stadium full of people. You know, sometimes the artist or the person in concert actually says to you, yo, I'm going to let y'all sing it. When I say this, you say that, and, you know, call and response. So you go, damn, wouldn't that be dope to see? And I hear Jim Gaffigan does that, you know. Jim Gaffigan will be on tour, and 
people will yell out to Jim Gaffigan, yo, man, uh, do Hot Pockets. And he takes requests, Jim Gaffigan, at the end of all of his shows. So, yeah, it'd be dope to see that comedy-wise. And, you know me, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those guys. I'm more into doing the hits as far as my set goes that it's like, nah, I'm Seinfeld school of comedy that it's like, yo, people paid to see quality entertainment and what did, what did Seinfeld say? The audience supposed to be new, not the jokes. And he released a whole special of his older material recently at the comic strip where I performed last Sunday. So, which, you know, it's dope to see some of these specials and you go, man, I was just there. Some of the specials that are made in clubs, you know, make you feel like you are actually a part of this thing, this universe of comedy, you know. You see somebody do a special in Madison Square Garden, you can't really relate to that. You don't know any of the staff, but you see somebody do their special at, you know, a club, Caroline's or The Cellar or Comedy Store out west in L.A., you go, hold up. I think that was a shot of Gina, Gina, the club manager, which I'm not using actual names, but you get you get my drift. But yeah, Seinfeld did his special. Seinfeld did all all the hits from the '80s that he was doing then, and that's why I'm saying, you know, I'm more similar to him. You know that I like to. Uh, what did, what did Seinfeld say? It was a book. I forgot what it's called, but Seinfeld was saying, you know, yo, Michael Jordan always played his hardest because he said, you know, this may be somebody's first and only time seeing you. And that's the approach I like to take. I'm not really with these comedians now that, you know, it's all about, oh, well, that was a new set. Well, you don't get extra fucking points because it was new. You bombed. Congratulations. Uh, comedians are over-focused now on growth. I was having this conversation last night with somebody because Earthquake, Earthquake released the special. It's produced by Dave Chappelle. What is it called? It's called Legendary, which I, I liked it. It's pretty modern. You know, Earthquake, he's from that Bernie Mac, Robin Harris style of comedy where he feels like your uncle. Don D.C. Curry, Bernie Mac, Earthquake, they all feel like your uncle. Even when they were younger, they never felt like they were, you know, 25. They wore suits and they talked with a certain level of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A certain level of experience. You know, take it or leave it. But anyway, Earthquake Special Legendary, which it opens with the Wale's song Legendary, which I'm like, who, who, who put Ankh up on Legendary? Who picked the music? Why isn't Charlie Wilson on New Edition playing? Whatever. But what, 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 what we were having a conversation about was the generations of comedy and that that generation was funny. And I see that now even when I go to certain shows. It's like comics of a certain age focused on funny. There is something to being interesting, which uh, actually last time I talked to y'all, I talked to y'all a little about T.I. and this whole T.I. is now doing comedy and um, Godfrey said something about oh he was saying you know you gotta respect the game and you know he Godfrey told a story on his podcast about how about how T.I. came to his show a show he was headlining 
and went up after the headliner. And Godfrey was saying that that's an unwritten rule. And Godfrey and him had a beef for about a week there, which I was laughing because I said, yo, this Godfrey is smart. And I mean, I've met Godfrey. We don't. I wouldn't say we know each other because he's a class or two ahead of me. So I'm sure if you asked him, he'd be like, who? Who? But if he actually saw me, he'd be like, oh, yeah, I've been seeing him around for some years. Um, And, you know, that's a little bit with comedy that, you know, there's classes of comics. And I'm on the other side of that now where I've been out here almost 10 years and been doing comedy, what, 16, 17 years? I think I'm losing track. Uh, But only in New York for almost 10. For those of you listening, I don't want you to feel like, oh, shit. That motherfucker hasn't gotten anywhere. So what? what <laughs> and he's talented. So what does that leave for me? But uh, yeah. So what the hell was I saying? Oh, I'm on the other side of it now to where there's a lot of younger comics that I recognize their face. I don't quite know their name. I really couldn't name tell you a joke that they do, but I know they're a comic. Uh. So I don't, you know, hold that against Godfrey or nothing. But anyway, yeah, Godfrey, <laughs> Godfrey said, you know, T.I. came to my show and went up after me, which he did give credit to. Like, yo, he's from Atlanta and Atlanta his, is his city. So I got it. But Godfrey made the point of saying I did not go in there and watch him because why would I watch you do some shit that I do better? And T.I., I guess, took offense to that and uh all week, you know, there's been these uh, back and forth between him and T.I., which it feels like my worlds are colliding because you got Kanye going against Pete Davidson here. So I'll just wake up and Kanye, who I grew up looking up to, will be uh, yelling about Pete Davidson. And then, you know, the other week or last week, I wake, go to sleep and wake up and at like two in the morning, I'm looking at T.I.'s got his hat cocked all the way to the left halfway on his head and he's like Godfrey indubitably I uh challenge you to exfoliate and excruciate the uh hate I need you to not to refrain from uh any in your window of disrespect and I'm like oh shit T.I. is yelling at Godfrey it just felt like my world to collide and I'm a big rap fan and I'm also in comedy obviously as you know so i'm a fan of comedy as well so when you start getting rappers this is like oh shit what's happening my worlds are colliding hey who who combined my universes anyway ti which he actually did have a point and i think i spoke last week on here about how i felt about it about like yo ultimately i think which i'm a huge ti fan so i i, I explained that last week that it's like yo or last episode where i'm like you know, I'm such a fan of the dude that I gotta I, I gotta say I would step into a room and I would watch. Which somebody did bring up a great point. I think too Ray said, you know, if you're not doing comedy full time, I expect for you to be entertained by T.I. doing comedy. Because he's not affecting you. All you gotta do is go down to the job and put in for some more overtime. Which I agree with Two Ray saying that because I'm like that's a fair point because a lot of the people I see do be like and it's like look you're not doing this full time so yes you you know you're you're gonna clap like a trained seal for T.I. doing comedy whereas us who really do this every day we understand how hard it is hustling trying to get that rent 
And I mean, I, I feel no type of way when I hear people refer to people with regular jobs because the truth is, if I reached out to, you know, Godfrey or Toure to pay my rent, they're not going to do that. You know, if I reach out to them and say, yo, let me hold $50, they're not going to give it to you. So, young comics listening, when motherfuckers start talking about who still got a day job and who don't, I know a lot of motherfuckers who do comedy full time just to say they do comedy full time and then they'll ask you for a dollar to get on the train. So at a point, it's like, you know, don't don't let these motherfuckers gas you up. It ain't all it's cracked up to be. It is what it is, you know. But Two Ray made a good point in saying that, and you, for, I'm referencing things that are obviously exist within the zeitgeist. If you're listening, or within the universe, that was a Ti move. I use zeitgeist anyway in a sense. <laughs> I ain't listening to too much Ti, man. Uh, which he's from the Mike Tyson school of language. My defense is impregnable, impregnable. I thought that had something to do with uh, getting pregnant. But no, my defense is impregnable. Impregnable actually means impregnable. Actually means uh, indestructible or, you know, invincible. The best, basically. So Tyson actually used it correctly. But T.I.'s from that same school where you're like, I don't think you needed. What does somebody say? You use a dime, use a dollar word when a dime word will do. And it's like, yeah, man, there's you could have just said I'm invincible. You didn't have to say a 12 letter word or whatever. But anyway. So, yeah, don't let people gas you. So what I was referencing was two Ray did a live two Ray went live last week. And you know, you, those of you listed two Ray veteran comic, very well respected uh, from Philly been on everything i grew up kind of watching two ray and i i went to a show when i lived in buffalo random spot and two ray was there killing just in the middle of a dance club so much respect to two ray and those who come before me and godfrey as well but like i said the thing about so don't let them gas you with it and and I, but i do notice a lot of people that are just like yo i'm happy for tr what are y'all mad for they are comics who are part-time which I consider myself I I feel like you can be a little bit of both because ultimately like I said it's like if I need ten dollars ain't nobody gonna give it to me I found that out when that unemployment ran out not that I asked anybody but my phone was ringing less and uh yeah I was flat broken it wasn't nobody to call or tell about that when it's like you know we here in New York we do 25 dollars spots and I mean I'm taking a writing class now to write a pilot because ultimately i've realized we are we do all this shit for our ego it's i'm happy you're at caroline's bro but that's one night and then they're probably you know yeah it's only for one night and, and then we know what the spot pay around the city is 25 dollars, and i mean 50 on the weekends so ultimately it's like you better figure out how to get on somebody's writing staff you better be acting anything to really make a living and like i said i i get a little beside myself or annoyed with some of the veterans and like i said two rays live when he said that about having a regular job and uh it's like yeah man well you're not gonna feed me that's the reality of it 
and and they grew up in the generation that they had the comic views and the Def Jams and they were allowed to build careers you know five years in the comedy they were allowed to go on the road and be headliners they were in the boom so we're in a bust right now so I get a little annoyed with veterans when they pick on us not that Ray was picking on us because he did make a great point but his live is up on his Instagram I follow him go follow him looking for some advice like I said he run a classes he gives great perspective and I did notice a lot of the guys that were like well what are you guys so mad at T.I. for it's the guy who you know does one spot every three months that is like if you in this game every day and every day you busting ass to live in New York City or Manhattan or even LA or wherever you are I done relocated my entire life so absolutely a little bit I'm looking at T.I. like wait bruh but ultimately I think T.I. had this line where uh, one of my favorite albums was Trap Music but T.I. has a song called King of the South on there and uh, T.I. says something about the you know what the you know where but if you the best is you gonna care and it's like yeah if you the best which I plan on being yeah, whatever like this is a cute thing for the moment and it, it, this too shall pass as the bible said this too shall pass and what i mean by that is you know blake griffin was here doing stand-up he was at jfl blake griffin uh doing stand-up uh john mayer did stand up will smith so ultimately it's like this probably all ends with him doing some sort of tour where he hosts or comes out at the end and tells stories and five comics that he's met on his journey he'll take take out with him and all those people who made him you know he's one of the only artists to have a movie and a uh album debut at number one in the same time so what is it atl is the name of the movie atl and uh king his album king you know debut both debuted at number one so it's like he's a huge star man and i mean he was talking out of both sides of his face a little because he was saying to Godfrey, well, I'm the exception, you know, exceptions are made for exceptional people and I'm the exception. So I understand that that may be y'all rule within comedy, but that's not I don't follow that because I'm exceptional. And it's like, well, on one hand, he's saying he respects the game. And on another, he's saying I'm an exception. So it's like a little bit of double talk. But what I respected that T.I. said when he finally got to talk to Godfrey was he said, Godfrey, I just felt like it was a little two-faced because you were smiling all in my face and took a picture with me. And then I look on the Internet and see you saying all of this about respect and you wasn't coming in there to watch me. And I just felt like that was some shit you could have said to me. Hey, player, there's rules to this here thing and uh, you need to uh, follow them. But you didn't say none of that to me. So I, T, I had a point, man. But back to uh you know yeah it's like yo ultimately you know nobody's gonna say hey man i want to look at some funny comics you know uh who's the funniest comics of all time you know there's uh damon waynes paul mooney chris rock dave Chappelle, uh seinfeld louis ck uh some more well who else am i thinking of just the greatest monique uh earthquake and uh ti 
comics. Like nobody says, uh, who's some dope comics to check out? Uh, Bruce Bruce, uh, Alonzo Bolton, uh, Sarah Silverman, and uh, John Mayer. So it's just like whatever. Many have came, but few will stay within the game. It is what it is. But the thing I was saying was, and I did hear T.I. on that podcast with Godfrey, he said he had been reading a lot of books and studying up on the game, and he said comedy, either while you're on stage, you're supposed to be either funny or interesting. And I say our generation has been a lot more focused on being interesting. I ain't going to call out no names or name the specials, but it's a lot of specials you can watch where you're like, very interesting, not funny at all. You know, Nanette, which we, uh, I've, I've been joking that the Ultra Spell specials are called Nigget because it feels like you could watch these two and it feels like hers is a response to him and his is a response to her. And it's like, yeah, because people were outraged about her special for opposite reasons of Chappelle's, but Chappelle's is a little funny too. But it's supposed to be a little bit of both. So watching the Earthquake special, Legendary on netflix last night which i gotta finish but i was about 30 minutes into it was good to see the funny and emphasis on the funny that it's like that there it is too many comedians in this generation way too focused on being interesting it's like we we ain't gotta do laughs per minute like i was listening to uh i was listening to wtf which is uh mark maron podcast he had hassan minaj on and him and Hassan were talking and Mark was kind of saying like yo you guys do a different thing right and Hassan was like yeah we figured out that you don't need a laugh every 30 seconds and I agree with Hassan there that it's like yeah you don't because that'll keep us in the in the rhythm of you know doing very hacky stuff oh guys I if I if I have an erection for four hours I'm not just gonna see Alice I'm going to see Janice and I'm going to see Beth and I'm going to see Kim. It's like, let's get away from that. That's, we get it. You took a see Alice and you're not just going to see Alice. You're going to see Kim and you're going to see Susan and you're going to see like, let's get away from that. So I get it. But I think we went too far away from it. Like I said, you can listen to these all, all these things that I'm referencing. And it's like, yeah, it was good to see earthquake just be funny and just that so go watch that we'll check that out it's a dope special and uh i'm gonna go away here for a little bit because they only let me record for 60 minutes on here and i'm gonna come back and we're gonna finish this episode because i got a few more things that i wanted to talk to y'all about uh so stay tuned all right back for part two i ain't gonna talk to y'all too much longer because uh i want to get this episode out and up which like i said earlier i have to pick a day it's not monday i feel like i'm just too busy mondays to release the episode so i don't know i'm looking at i think wednesday is probably a good day or thursday tough talk thursday i'm gonna come up with a new day to release this like i said every other week and go check out my other podcast that I said I've been busy with uh, Avery Mason, it's a collab uh, me and him do an advice podcast, it's kind of a loose advice podcast though, it's it's fun uh, you know, 
Avery Mason from Power TV uh, was also on The Punisher. He's gets beat up in a lot of episodes. I, I make fun of that often that he gets killed in The Punisher, gets beat up in Luke Cage, and gets killed in Power. As you hear, you know, random ass honking. I'm hearing traffic. This is the only time I really could find to do this. Some dickhead is honking. It ain't helping. You know, motherfucker's still stuck. You know, but I, don't, I don't know why people feel like that helps, but some people, I guess that's how they get their aggression out. It's like, you could tap that horn once or twice, but laying on that horn, man, that'll get you beat the fuck up. And I done seen a lot of videos and other stuff where people got beat the fuck up for laying that, that horn, you know. Next thing you know, somebody going in their glove box for something. And the door is flying open. Anyways, where was I? Oh, I just wanted to put the finishing touches on this episode. I think I ended off talking about the whole T.I. Godfrey thing. And I think it's one of them situations where where both parties had points. You know, both parties were... T.I. was right to say he was the exception. And that's true. But then you can't also say, well, but I respect the game. It's like, yeah... But, and then Godfrey was right to feel the way he felt and to say what he said. Although, again, T.I. is the exception. And T.I. was right to tell him, hey, you weren't really disrespecting me. It could be perceived as sneak dissing. But you just could have told me everything that you said on the podcast. And then I would have had that perspective. So, I think it was more of a miscommunication than anything. But, um moving along what what oh, I finished the earthquake special it's it's 36 minutes and I don't know you know it's, it felt like it was just heating up when the earthquake cut off he's ended on talking about his son and the wi-fi and I thought it was a nice build up to you know who he was and how his actual real life is and then it just turns off <laughs> which I, I get you know it's doing shorter specials it doesn't seem like people's attention span can really hold an hour you know when people are watching instagram sketches for what two minutes i think i saw tiktok is about to move up to 10 minute uh videos and it's just like yeah i don't i don't know i mean it's weird because people will say people's attention spans got shorter but then it's like long form content podcasting joe rogan show joe button uh podcast joe rogan podcast are succeeding with long-form content as well so you know i guess it all depends on how much time you got and we forget about those nine to fivers or even the uh 10 hour shift or 12 hour shifters that they might need an hour or two to get through their day you know what i mean and it's you know those are the people who you know just audio they can't really you know, they might be working in the warehouse and it's like, I can't really look at something, but I can listen to a conversation, you know, during my shift and whatnot. But so, yeah, it's, 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 you know, but I thought that was actually a nice spin on a special, you know, to just go ahead and make it 36 minutes or whatever. I think it was and have Chappelle there and he shot it in his hometown of D.C. And, you know, it's earthquakes there in that category of like. You know, you ain't you ain't gonna get a whole lot of deep talk. He's more like your uncle, your funny uncle. You know, earthquakes always been one of the funniest. I think 
one of the funniest jokes he ever did was uh <laughs> when he talked about OJ back in the day and he would say uh you know how you kill two people with one night what was the other one doing while the other person was getting stabbed oh I'm next OJ stab me and then he was like yo <laughs> he said I would have left the police clues he said I would have drew my uh spelled his name in blood he said hell it ain't but two letters oh jay and you like yo i i think earthquake had one of the best oj jokes back in the day but yeah he feels like a like a funny uncle so it was good to see him get his due on that special and be back home and comfortable and have Chappelle rep him uh but now i was saying like the uncles of comedy like okay so Earthquake, Bernie Mac's one, Robin Harris is another one. And obviously they're both gone. Who's alive still? At, oh, Don DC Curry, who was in Next Friday. Y'all might remember him from that. But uh, who else? There was one more I was thinking of, and they all feel very similar, and none of their material is too crazy or too um, imaginative. They just talk about everyday shit and just remind you of your funny uncles. Who did I say? Earthquake, Don, DC, Curry. And there's another one that's still alive that I very much see as like, yeah, that he reminds me of my uncle. Damn, I can't remember his name right now. Slipping my mind. It was just right there on the tip of the tongue. But my ass is getting old. Anyway. What else did I want to talk to y'all about before I got out of here? Oh, Kanye. Kanye's uh, documentary genius. It, uh, premiered a few weeks ago and um on netflix obviously because who are you if you don't have netflix or aren't borrowing someone's account anyway Kanye's documentary premiered at i feel like a very uh at really perfect timing for him because everyone's talking about him and kim k arguing anyway so which somebody brought up a good point the other day on social media of uh yeah She's on her th third divorce, and somehow this is all Kanye's fault. And it's like, yeah, you know. And I mean, that's my reluctance or hesitance to ever get married. You know, I've been in some long relationships. It's for that reason that, you know, I kind of see no matter what happens or no matter what a woman does in a relationship, it's always perceived as the man's fault when it doesn't work. It's always perceived as what could you have done better oh she was cheating you you weren't giving her what she needed but when men cheat it's always how could you how could you do that to her but when women do it it's oh well and i you know people like to get into the oh well they're they're split up and you've never met them and neither have you so if you disagree shut up and just hear my opinion i don't i never i don't claim to know them or have ever met them but people are acting like he's psychotic and I'm going, uh, you know, again, she's on her third divorce. So it's just funny to me that, you know, people will bring up his tweets. Oh, well, he's tweeting like a madman. And you go, OK, so I get to judge him as a father based upon his tweets. But I can't judge her as a mother based upon her Pornhub video. So at a point, it's like you know you're you're setting up this idea where we get to judge every little thing he does but can't ever judge her but 
what am I saying? I'm, you know, that's just the country and the times we live in. You know, in America, the men, it's always, divorce is always the man's fault. He, he wasn't fulfilling some needs. Whereas, like I said, you know, rarely ever we see anyone blame a failed marriage on, on the woman. And I'm laughing because as a man, I'm watching Megan Good and I'm watching Kanye. And Megan Good, you know, got divorced. And her husband was a pastor. Kanye is releasing gospel albums and Kim Kardashian is running the other way. You know, he won a Grammy for gospel album. So he's trying to be a better person objectively. But what do you see? Women don't want you to be better, fellas. Stay the same fucked up man you were yesterday. And, you know, a day after it went public that Megan Good was divorced, she's sitting at, I don't know, some football game with a jersey on that says, Miss Good if you're nasty. And I'm like... Hey man, don't save him. As a <laughs> a wise man named Project Pat once said, don't save him. And and you know, like I said, you know, this woman is running the other way from Kanye. He's become the richest black man in the time that he was with her, and he married her at the time when a lot of men was like, "Who, old girl that was on the tape with Ray J? I'm good." You know, Reggie Bush dated her. Chris Humphreys dated her. Ray J dated her, but married her? So he was trying to change the narrative of, you know, you could turn a hoe into a housewife. And it's like, turns out actually, and watching him cry and beg for her back. And really, he's not begging for her back. He's begging for his family because ultimately, I think he understands that, you know, down the line, as much money as Kim K may have, oh, she's coming for your money. Like everybody wants to, oh, she's got so much money. Yeah, but that don't mean she won't take yours. Ain't never stopped a woman that I've known. Um, so, yeah. And then, you know, the thing with this genius is, which, first off, it's a great documentary. Because um, you get to see the cat Cootie, who's uh, actually a comedian, which I don't like to say former comedian. Once a comedian, always a comedian. And they even put some of his footage on there. And it was pretty funny. He he did comic view back in the day. And I mean, you could get off into the, well, who didn't do comic views? But Earthquake, all the way back to Earthquake. And then, um, but he did comic view back in the day. He was from Chicago. And just kind of got the idea of like, yeah, we should start documenting this whole thing. And I'm sure he probably documented a few other, uh, a few other rappers from Chicago. But Kanye's the one that made it. So that's the footage he kept. And even kind of as he's starting to document him, he's doing little things like producing for, you know, Rockefeller and different things. So it's just interesting to see those vibes. And I mean, Kanye, you know, the thing I've always liked about Kanye is he smiles through his work. You know what I mean? You see uh, Fade to Black with Jay-Z and he's in a studio. I think he's playing the beat to Lucifer. And that's he's probably looks the happiest I've ever seen anybody doing their job. You know, when he's playing Lucifer for Jay, he's smiling from ear to ear. You can see all 32 teeth, baby. And I mean, like I said, I, I've always enjoyed that, you know, he enjoys his own work and has fun while making it. You know, so many people 
especially artists are so dramatic, you know, oh man, it's such a struggle, and it's like, bro, you get to make music for a living, like, you should be smiling through this, not to say that there aren't hard days, I mean, same thing I would say for comedy, but every now and then, there's a night where you come out and get to make $300 for speaking for 20 minutes, so ultimately you should be smiling a lot more than frowning but uh yeah you get to see that joy and the process and the come up you know from going to walking in places and people saying to him well who are you and what are you doing here oh you produced oh okay and then he's playing certain songs like he's playing his verse from all falls down in the office and you know one of the girls or that worked for the rock she just kind of is staring at him like yeah, bro, that's great, but uh, I've been here since 8 a.m., and it's 4.30, and I'm ready to go, so nice verse and all, but yeah, keep that pushing, I know you need footage for your documentary, because some of the internet was just like, oh my god, can you believe Kanye's playing off us down, and Jesus walks, and, and they're not even looking up, and it's like, bro, this is the 10th time he's done that to them, you gotta understand that. It's like if I, as a comedian, just, you know, walked around an office telling people the same joke one at a time. And then my person who's doing a documentary is filming it at a point. It's like, yeah, they're not reacting because they've heard it 25 times. So, you know, you got to understand what you're watching. Like I said, they, that's not their first time. Although one of the girls, I forget her name. I want to say it's Khalid because they mention her or he mentions her a lot is in the office and she's nodding her head and going along with it uh, even though you could tell this is the 10th time she's heard it but yeah I, may, I definitely miss those days when you know everyone was in the studio there was the you know big and that's one of the reasons I moved to New York you know you hear about going into the Sony office or you know uh, going into um, the Rockefeller or Bad Boy office and just how there was an energy and there was a vibe and it was you know a street team and then there also were people answering phones and people running uh, fan clubs and you know it was a vibe and it more felt like a family whereas now I feel like the music is very I don't want to say manufactured but it's missing some of that sauce and grind you know it's missing some of that family vibe because we're enjoying Kanye releasing his first album because we saw for two years he come in this office probably four times a week and try to, you know, get Dame to pay attention to him as a rapper. You know what I mean? As opposed to now, you know, you think of like a little Nas X that just uploaded a song to the internet, Old Town Road, and it blew. And now he's got a career that it's like, you know, there was that process is missing. And I think sometimes, especially for artists, we need to hear no. And sometimes we need to hear, hey, that's good, but it's not good enough. Like I always think of uh, 50 Cent and Alicia Keys both, I think were signed to Columbia back in the day, Columbia Records, and neither album came out both got released and you know 50s was way more dramatic because i think he got released as he tells the story after getting shot nine times so imagine getting shot nine times 
surviving and thinking, whoo, glad that's over. And then someone comes to you and goes, well, the thing about it is your album, Power of a Dollar, we don't want to release it. And also, we don't really want to work with you anymore. I mean, if somebody will shoot you nine times, who who's to say what they'll do to us for, for having you in the office? We don't need that kind of energy around the office was more of what I think they were thinking. But anyway, both of them were released around, I think, year... Uh, 1999 and then in 2003 both of them had you know i want to say the number one and number two album at the same time 50 and alicia keys and the same executive that dropped 50 dropped alicia keys and told them you know the music's good but it's not good enough and then they came back with i guess what you would consider their second albums you know get richard die trying and then her album that i forget the name of what is it songs in a minor i believe Anyway, you know, it was platinum multiple times, and that was the process. So for Kanye, you know, you see him bring Scarface into the studio, and Scarface kind of listens and goes, you know, I don't really see where I fit in in this, but this is good, you know, and like, this is good, and maybe it doesn't need me, I think is the... what Scarface kind of indirectly was telling him and I mean you know back then like I said there was no sending a song back and forth you had to go in the studio with somebody which is why I think a lot of songs sounded better because they were there in the physical form instead of catching a vibe you know one person being in Atlanta and the other one being in LA and just sending you a file and you recording your vocals and sending it back and forth you're in the studio together and y'all are both on the same wave and operating from the same frequency because you've been in there talking, drinking, smoking, whatever you do all night. But, you know, I was thinking as I'm watching, like, yo, I'm glad Scarface wasn't on it, which seems crazy to say because Kanye produced The Fix, which one of my favorite beats is uh, Guess Who's Back, you know, and that features Jay or whatever. But then they also had done before that This Can't Be Life. Jay-Z, Scarface, and whoever. Oh, who's on that Albini? But, uh, so yeah. They had good chemistry, him and Scarface. And Scarface kind of walks in and goes, yo, this don't really need me or, you know, I don't really see where I fit in. That's a funny moment that's kind of become a meme where Kanye had got his, uh, you know, jaw wire shut after the uh, accident, which is funny because him and 50 kind of blow around the same time and you could argue you know the event that spurred 50 into the stratosphere was him getting shot nine times it's just like what how many times i gotta hear him oh he's definitely meant to be here uh and then you know kanye's you know not being a gangster having a teddy bear on the album cover he's talking about going to school college dropout and all that at the time when most dudes you know, most of our rappers, favorite rappers at the time, Jay-Z or even uh, 50, didn't even finish high school. So <laughs> he was so opposite everybody else. But said all that to say his car accident was kind of his moment that he got to, you know, through the wire. Anyway, Scarface walks in, looks at this on the desk. I think it's because his jaw was wired shut. He had these retainers. But Scarface had no idea what it was. It was just kind of like, what the hell are those? <laughs> <laughs> and Kanye just kind of casually, oh, those, those are my retainers. And then they just kind of keep working. But anyway, 
Yeah, you see, like they said, you know, there was really no budget for his album. So he was at the time investing money into making his own album, which is, you know, unheard of. At that time, you would get budgets and then they show the moment that he gets the budget and big celebration because everybody's watched this dude, you know, for better part of two years or so try to explain why he should be on the label and Dame just kind of being like eh, yeah we'll see we'll see but uh yeah I think my favorite moment of the documentary is at some point someone says to him hey man you uh they say to him hey man you You, uh, if someone said to you last year that you would be at the Grammys, would you have believed them? And he said, now nah, what happened was I was trying to tell people last year that I would be here and they didn't believe me. And you're like, boom, <laughs> as an artist and as a comedian, that's definitely kind of moments I'll be having. And I mean, obviously, we ain't won a Grammy or nothing, but I definitely sometimes see people say to me, oh, Phil, you did the Apollo? Oh, man, that's, that's awesome, man. Yeah, you know, because when you went out there to New York, I didn't know, man. I thought, you know, and I mean, everybody from where I'm from, mostly, everybody at some point pops out somewhere, be it, you know, Miami or dudes might move to Atlanta or LA, but they be back within a year or two. It usually doesn't take long. Most people don't, when they go out somewhere, most people don't make it past their first lease. So, I related to that moment a lot, where you're trying to kind of tell somebody, this is, you know, what I want to do, and my vision and whatnot, and people just kind of stare at you, or stare through you, rather, to say, yeah, but... <laughs> You know, you know, a lot of people want to do a lot of things, but it usually doesn't work out. So that was my probably my favorite moment. Uh, it's all these moments with his mother, which is kind of sad because, you know, as you may know, Donda obviously has passed on or whatever, which, you know, there's so much footage of him and his mom. And I mean, he's kind of goes home. He's kind of down and his mom immediately picks him back up and tells him, you know, kind of the believing in himself and that believing in himself is how he's gotten exactly where he's gotten and i mean the father doesn't enter the episode until the third one which i've been making the joke that if you follow me on social media i've been making the joke that you know kanye has like three or four songs about his mom and no songs about dad uh i think that i can only remember one bar where he said my dad would tell me when you see clothes, close your eyelids because <laughs> he likes to shop or whatever. But yeah, he's got like four songs about his mother. And then Donda, obviously, is named after his mother. And then we on Donda number two now. So I'm like, where the hell is dad number one? Where is that album? Where is daddy one at? We on mama album number two? <laughs> Mama, album number two, but we ain't got daddy to album number one, so it definitely gives me the Chris Rock vibes of, uh, you may remember the Chris Rock joke where he talked about every song on the radio. I love my mama, 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 mama. And then he was like, uh, what's the daddy song? 
Papa was a rolling stone. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, man, you know, you got Boys to Men, Tupac, Dear Mama, all these mama songs. Now, one for Daddy, which I think particularly is interesting for Kanye because Kanye has been on social media now yelling about how, you know, Kim won't let him see his kids and you know that the you know people are reinforcing the negative stereotype of black fathers not being there for their children you know by calling him crazy and you know how kim is feeding into that and you go well you feeding into it too a little bit yourself you know because as to my understanding it wasn't that his father wasn't in his life he just happened to live with his mother and i mean you know, the mother father happened to be separated, which is the idea that we're waking up to now. I've been seeing some of the what previously would have been labeled as single mothers kind of say co-parenting instead that it's like, I'm not really a single mother. His dad lives across town. We just aren't together anymore or even may even live in another state that it's like yeah give, give some of these fathers some credit at, at a point you know i'm not a parent but i understand relationships are tough so then to have had a child in the middle of that relationship and that relationship be no longer it's like yeah we needed another term and like i said i'm happy to see some people moving forward uh, being progressive to to say co-parenting that you know for kaya i'm going well okay well I, I, I get that obviously we're more attached to our mothers. It's, you know, my father's a man of few words. So it's it's like, you know, my mother, you know, did the doctor appointments and my father did the work and, you know, would be away overseas and different stuff and would always, hey, man, take care of your mother. Make sure your mother's all right. I'm gone. You, you the man now. You and your brother. Y'all cut the grass. Y'all make sure she's all right. You know what I mean? So. I, I, I definitely understand that we are, I think, more connected to our mothers. That's just a matter of, you know, you could kind of, the best fathers are kind of part-time parents. That it's like, like I told you, you know, my dad handled the bill side of the game and took that risk and went to war. And, well, I shouldn't say went to war, but, you know, was in the military protecting this country and whatnot and would be over in Korea for six months and, or not that long, but, you know three months or whatever four months whatever got the job done and mama would kind of make sure we went to school got to our doctor's appointments the whole nine but like i said for kanye i'm like well you're yelling about how tough it is to be a dad now you might want to show dad some love you know i know your mother's no longer with us but can daddy get one song you wondering, you know, why you can't get no love on the internet as far as Kim K goes and how people are perceiving your custody battles and your whatever's with her, your public custody battles. But um, obviously that reason is, or some of that reason has to do with, with the energy you're putting out there, you know what I mean? Doing is he going in this space or not? Cause I fucking take it. God damn it! No, I circle the block and try to get you going there. Yeah, try to get this damn parking spot and this motherfucker's in the fucking way. But ain't 
taking the spot, just sitting in front of it. Damn it! Anyway, fucking parking is frustrating, folks. Anyway, what was I saying? Now, it's just saying how if we want to bend that narrative of dads that Kanye might want to do his part and that that would help him as far as his own battles go. That it's like, well, part of that is <laughs> when we keep sitting up, mama, 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 when daddy is alive and daddy is present, you know, may not be as involved as mom, but is around if you need him. You just never said you needed him. But he's in one of Kanye's videos for the last album, I think. Fine God, dad is actually in the video. So, like I said, we got to work on fixing that narrative, but. I didn't want to talk for too much longer on here. Uh, the hell else is going on? Uh, I talked a little NBA. Uh, John Morant is on a fucking tear. John Morant been killing. I, I I just was saying the other day we got to get him some signature shoes. He's killing that hard, and a lot of people have spoken up to be like, "Bro, it's it's looking Derrick Rose MVP level." You know what I mean? And I mean. He's got that type of game, too, that, you know, he can jump out the fucking gym. He's raising up on people and throwing it down. He's got that type of game, so. And he had, what, 50 the other night on uh, San Antonio? I watched a little of it. And 46, I think, the night before, so. Uh, that's actually what I'm about to do here, is sit here and get inspired and watch these, one of his performances and I mean, Harden's been killing. I mentioned that earlier in the pod. They said he's got the most points of anybody over a three-game span. Uh, but yeah, I think that's just about all I wanted to talk about. I wanted to, I wanted to oh, tell y'all some show dates. I got, I'm gonna be in Philly this weekend. I'm um, actually hosting those shows at Helium. So I'll be at Helium Comedy Club in Philly this weekend. If you're listening and you're in that area. I'll be at helium and um dork be at helium uh what else did i want to talk to y'all about oh uh end of the month i'm gonna be in minnesota with alonzo bow and i'll be featuring out there for him end of the month i think it is the 25th and the 26th don't quote me uh but yeah you know obviously if you're in that area because i know i got some listeners from all over being that i used to live in indiana and whatnot trying to not act like mr international but i got people in other places but uh yeah i'm trying to park here so y'all hear me actually thinking <laughs> gotta think a little gotta pull forward and do a little and i might can't fit this spot but i tell you like this i ain't found no other spots so we might just have to make this work. God damn it. Because typically you can kind of go on the curb. But they got a damn tree right next to the curb. So not really an option here. Damn it. Welcome to the big city. One of the big city. Big city you get. Big city you got. You might have to hear me pull off real quick. But yeah, I just wanted to announce some dates. What else? Uh, I think I got the comic strip on the 20th of March. So that's here in New York. 
comic strip live upper east side what else did i have anything else really to announce to y'all i'm gonna bet's youtube page and check out the uh on the ropes thing that we did which was like a roast battle but we were in a boxing ring and whatnot real nice setup and uh show that some love because the internet been killing us the internet is mean as fuck but y'all know what that is but yeah i think that's about it for me i think that's all i wanted to talk to y'all about and i'm gonna try to park this damn car a little better than i did Yeah, that's it. Uh, I'm going to be coming at y'all more in the next week or so. And um, I'm going to try to uh, lock in a date to start putting the podcast back up every other week. And I'm going to have some guests and we're going to do some fight stories and keep the thing that we had going. Like I said, i just been mad busy. And like I said, the shows are picking back up. Work's picking up and it's just like, yo, the fuck? I've been taking this writing class. So all of that shit has just left me zero time. But I'm starting to figure out, you know, as I'm driving to the crib and whatnot, I have time, you know, to talk to y'all a little. And that'll keep me off social media, keep me from ranting and posting really long posts and all that shit. So, uh, yeah, we're going to try to buckle down. I know previously it was Mondays, but... I think Wednesdays, I'm going to start, or Thursdays, because Tough Talk Thursday. You want to keep some alliteration. Whatever. Anyway, I'll have a guest next time I speak to y'all. And uh, thanks for listening. This has been another episode of the motherfucking Tough Talk Podcast. Um, like, share, subscribe, rate.